Today's episode discusses sexual violence, domestic violence, and child abuse prevention. Nothing too detailed, but still wanted to give a trigger warning. Enjoy! (laughs) Did you see what she was wearing? But she didn't leave the first time. They just need to work harder. What did they expect? She was asking for it. He was asking for it. My mommy said they're asking for it. Hold up! No. No. This is what we're asking for. Consent. No means no. Yes means yes. Can I kiss you? Yes. Respect. Help. Love and support. Empathy. Justice. No justice, no peace. Equality. Liberty and justice for all. These are the things we're asking for. Okay. All right. Well, let's get started. Are you ready? Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Let's start with the first question then. What is your name? My name is Linnea Erickson Laskowski. Love it. And your pronouns? My pronouns are she, her, and hers. Love it. And where are you from? I am from a teeny tiny small town in central Iowa. So much like you grew up in farming community. However, people always ask me if I grew up on a farm and I did not, but I did show llamas at the county fair. So amazing, weird small town farm experience growing up, amazing. Uh, but feel very comfortable out here amongst the corn. Love it. Can I share a really awkward story? I was in county fair pageants. Ooh. So I actually never, same thing where I didn't grow up on a farm. I worked on a farm and then I did the pageant thing. And when I won for the, like the junior miss one year, all week at the fair, we had to like pass out ribbons Mm -hmm. and I will never forget, like I wasn't around that many farm animals, but I was sitting there with my mom and she started laughing and I was, we were like, they were doing goats or sheep or something. Mm -hmm. She was like, Carly, their balls are so big. They are. That is a surprising thing that I think people don't realize. I know. They're very big. They're very large. They're so anyways, very that's big. I, that's what I think of when I think of animals and county fairs and I did so I did I did llama showing all yeah. growing up. And but I had a friend who was the um Story County pig queen, pork queen. Ooh, pork um queen. she probably would want me to get her title right, but she was the, the Story County Queen of Pigs. Um lovely, <laughs> lovely pigs. woman. That's amazing. Um but so I went to watch her um showing pigs and I'm sitting with her mom and I'm just I'm used to llama showing where it's like you dress them up in costumes. You yeah. do obstacle courses. And I'm like waiting for that to happen with the pigs and they've nope. got like numbers painted. I'm like, what are they judging on? She's like, well, like they're judging like on the pork chops and the ham. And I'm like, oh my God, that is not, I was like waiting for the pigs to go through an obstacle course. That's not what happened. Completely different. Yeah. Very different. Yours is very fun. Uh, Well, on that note, speaking of large testicles, so what do you do? Well, I could go a lot of different directions with this. No, I am the director of prevention and communication with Safe Passage to Cal County's Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault Crisis Center. So I have been working in um, the domestic violence and sexual assault field for over 10 years. Um, when I started at Safe Passage, I worked with our offenders as the director of our abuse intervention program. And then I moved um, a few years ago into our prevention department. And we work with everything from, you know, 
kindergartners talking about body safety and body autonomy to training, you know, doctors and professionals who may be interacting with victims and really trying to advocate for better systems for survivors. So prevention and advocacy, communication, marketing, I mean, everything that, you know, a small nonprofit could need with my incredible team to try to make sure that people are aware of our services and that we're working to create a world without violence each and every day. Love it. Beautiful. So if you don't mind, a lot of our viewers that are, or I should say our listeners, a lot of people know what a rape crisis center does or domestic violence shelter. For those who don't know too much, or maybe they have kind of like this little stereotype or a picture in their head, um, can you kind of explain what Safe Passage does as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. So usually when people hear where I work, they say, oh, Safe Passage, the women's shelter. <laughs> right. And I'm like, well, no. Um, yes, but no. We do um, serve people in crisis. We do have a shelter. However, our shelter is open to people of all genders. And we also offer a wide range of services beyond just emergency shelter. So like many people think of with a rape crisis center or a domestic violence shelter, we have an emergency shelter where people can come and stay if they need a safe place to go if they're fleeing abuse at home. Um, but we also have counseling for kids, for grownups, we do group counseling, individual counseling um, for domestic violence and sexual assault to help process after abuse has occurred and help along that healing process. Um, we have legal advocates who can assist with getting orders of protection, um, who can be your advocate in a, in a hospital setting if you've been injured and you're seeking treatment or if you've um, been sexually assaulted and you need uh, an evidence collection kit taken, we can be your advocate. We can go with you to court. We can help you get those orders of protection. Um, we can be with you every step of that legal um, journey. Um, we also provide case management, help connecting with all those things that people might not think of right. off the top of your head when you're dealing with abuse or violence, um, help finding affordable housing, affordable childcare, food insecurity, all those things that um, can be just as, as you know, detrimental to your healing process. If you don't have enough to eat, it's right. hard to think about processing and counseling. Yeah, um, exactly. So we can assist, you know, really with, with all of those different areas of life that are intersected with that um, trauma of, of abuse and violence and really helping empower people along their journey to healing, um, knowing that survivors are their, their own, um, you know, best advocates. They are the ones who know their situation best, but oftentimes you need help and resources along that journey. And we're there to come alongside survivors, be their partners, um, and really advocate for them for what they need in every step of that healing process, whatever that looks like, however long that might take. And then we also actively work to prevent violence. We have an abuse intervention program to deal with violence at its source, as well as to work to, to change the system and to change our culture um, so that someday safe passage gets put out of a job. That is our ultimate goal is to not be needed anymore. I love that when I say that too, when I go into schools mm -hmm. and I tell kids like, my goal is that I don't have a job. That I can right. retire, right? Yeah. I can, I, and then people are like, what? And then they're like, oh yeah, I get it. We don't want violence. We don't right. want this anymore. Right. I don't want us to have to exist. And that's our ultimate goal is, you know, to put ourselves out of a job. Yep. I love it. So let's talk about prevention because this is kind of my, my baby, my wife created this podcast as well. And this is what I'm passionate about. So what does prevention look like for you and in your role at Safe Passage? Yeah, so we do a lot of prevention. For me, prevention is especially important when I think about kids um, because it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's easier yeah. um, to work on prevention when it comes to our kids rather than trying to end it after we've internalized a lifetime of 
the kinds of lessons that our culture spreads about um, violence and, and sex and consent. Um, so for me, it's so important to get in from the earliest ages with our kiddos and not just talk about stranger danger, not just yeah. talk about reporting abuse, but actively work to promote those protective conditions that enable kids to feel empowered, to feel safe. And that can mean changing our culture. Um, it's not just about talking about private parts, although of course we do that too. And I love coming into schools and talking with kids about safety and, you know, we sing songs and we make up dances, you know, and right. I love to do that at all ages. Um, I, you know, from kindergartners through college, I love working with students, but it's also about changing some of those cultural norms that lead to violence. Things like thinking that, um, kids shouldn't be in charge of their bodies or kids shouldn't have body autonomy Huge. or thinking that kids should fit into um, really specific gender roles and raising kids in these really restrictive boxes based on their gender. Um, the more we can change those things, that has a huge impact on whether or not sexual violence and domestic violence exist in our community. So for me, it's it's about providing that empowerment, that education at all ages, but it's also about looking at our systems and looking at our cultural norms and how can we shift those in ways that will make it so violence is just unimaginable? Yep. I love that. And as a parent with a three-year-old, that is currently what I'm working on. And of course, again, this is my expertise. This is what I've studied and been trained in and all of these things. But just small little things like I always ask him, can I tickle you? Right. Can I hug you? Can I kiss you? And of course, there are times where he runs up to me or I'll just do it out of instinct. But really teaching just my who just turned three years old, that he has the power to say no. It is his body. And also, though, a big part of that is we're not only teaching kids that, hey, you have the right to say no, you also have to ask. Right. And right. one of his new cute things, and he's not here with me right now, otherwise I'd let I'd show him off and, and he could say hi, but he, he keeps doing this thing now where he goes, but I asked, but I asked. Because, you know, first, the first step is teaching. You have to ask. Okay. And so now learning you're... to accept the answer. Exactly. So now we're teaching when I say no, what does that mean, Oliver? And he goes, no means no. And then he goes, and yes means yes. But also a big thing that, you know, I, I know you experience and I've experienced in classrooms is that yes doesn't always mean yes. Too. Right. When there are forces being put on someone and we're talking about making choices and and if there's a scary relative and then they're guilting and they're saying, you don't love me, you won't give me a hug, you must not love me, making that person feel bad, making them say yes, that is not a true right. yes. So one of the things I'd love to ask you too, and a big part of prevention is, of course, consent. And that's a huge theme of this podcast. So what are some things that you do? Uh, to teach consent to kids, to, you know, teenagers, to adults? What do you do? Well, I think um, one of the things that I've really started to think about working more with, with younger kiddos is just feeling that, that normalizing of consent from a very young age. Yep. We don't have to be talking about sex, yes. to be talking about consent. And I think that's so important. And when I tell people that, you know, I, I talk with little kids about consent or elementary school kids about consent, not coming in and talking about consent when it comes to sex. I'm talking about consent when it comes to getting a hug. Yeah. Um, consent when it comes to borrowing your friend's sweatshirt. Um, we do Perfect. a lesson with fifth graders where we talk about um, what does it mean if you ask to borrow your friend's sweatshirt and they say no? 
What does it mean if you ask to borrow your friend's sweatshirt and they say yes, but then you lend it to someone else? Ah, what does good. it mean if you ask, you know, to borrow someone's sweatshirt and they say no, and then you throw a fit? Um, yep. You know, those different ways to think about consent in those normal everyday interactions, because for many of us, we've internalized that getting consent is an empathetic, kind thing to do. If you are if you're not a monster, you don't want to upset someone. I was just in a classroom this morning asking um, fifth graders what consent means to them. And one kid mentioned like, we get consent because we don't want to hurt someone else's feelings. Aww, and I just yeah. thought that was so sweet. And that's so true. We we don't want to unintentionally hurt someone else. Yep. So we ask that question to Perfect. make sure we understand how they're feeling and they feel respected. And then you can transition that in as we start talking with older kids, um, start thinking about in your relationships, in your mm-hmm. friendships or in your you know romantic or, or dating relationships, um, that still applies that we're not, we're not saying that you're getting consent because you don't want to get arrested. Yes. You know, we're really pushing. Yes. We don't want to think about the bare minimum being don't commit a crime. Yes. We're getting consent because we care about that other person and we don't want them to feel hurt. Yep. Um, you know, so it, it isn't just that, well, they said yes, even after I had pressured them or coerced them or, um, right. you know, I asked 20 times, they finally said yes. Okay, sure. You met the legal standard for consent, maybe, but that's <laughs> not enough. You will, yeah. you want to make someone feel safe. You want to make someone feel seen and cared about and respected as a person, whether this is a 20 year relationship or someone you met 20 minutes ago we can make someone else feel respected and consent is that big part of that. So we talk about with those younger kiddos, just normalizing consent. And as we get older, thinking about consent as a, as a tool of normal human interaction and human decency, yes, not just a way to avoid getting arrested. Yes. I, I love that, you know, people say, well, oh, my son's going to go off to college and I'm going to have to make contracts for him that he's going to have to have people sign in order to engage I don't know if you've heard that kind of phrase and it drives me nuts because first off, can I sign that contract and then change my mind? Absolutely. Right. Right. And then also to what you just, the point you just made, we're teaching to ask for consent, not to get, so you're not in trouble. The idea is why would you engage in sexual or just in any sort of behavior with someone that doesn't want it? Right. I think so often sexual abuse and violence comes from that power inequality, but not just power inequality, a literal belief that someone is less valuable than you. So you don't care how they feel. You know, when we, when we see governors um, sexually harassing their staff, um, so much of that comes down to, I just didn't really care how I made someone else feel. Or when it comes to, um, you know, sex and relationships, it's not just about getting that consent contract or whatever it might be. It's about someone saying, essentially, I don't care how that other person feels if I got what I wanted. Exactly. And I think that mindset is at so much of the root of sexual violence. If we could just convince people that other people matter just yeah. as much as they do, um, how, how much of our issues with sexual violence would disappear if we were just concerned about other people's feelings yep. and just thought that everyone else was equal to us as well. Exactly. And that those power dynamics, such a huge issue when it comes to violence in general. Right. And trying to teach that too, of where I'm sure you yourself as somebody who works in the hospitals and the hotlines with victims in schools where I've had, I've worked with victims as young as two, as, as old as in their nineties. And I ask people, do you think that's about sex? 
Do you think right. that two-year-old victim and that 90-year-old victim, that was about sex and you couldn't, con- that per- perpetrator couldn't control their body? No. What is sexual violence about? It's about power and control over someone. Right. And then breaking it down to all those, like, just everyday little situations. And when you tell a grandparent that they can't hug their child or their grandchild, in their head, they're thinking, that's my kid. That's my grandchild. I have the right. I have the power. I am the adult. And so I love what you said, too, about with kiddos, giving them back that autonomy. It's their body. It's their their rights. And I think helping, you know, I think a lot of people internalize this personally and feel yeah. this like personal. Well, are you saying that I would hurt my my grandchild? Are you saying that I would hurt this person? Um, but in so many ways, it's not about you. Yeah. It's about it's about teaching our children that lesson that they don't have to say yes to you, or they don't have to feel pressured to do something they don't want to do with you, a safe person. So when someone who is unsafe tries to harm them, they've already got that lesson built up in them, that firm belief that I am allowed to say no. And if someone doesn't listen, that's a problem. So it's not just about, you know, grandparent who wants to hug their grandchild. It's about, you know, three years from now, when a creepy teacher is trying to hug that child, that child's going to have that foundational belief that other people shouldn't touch me without my permission. And if they try, I tell someone that's what we want to build. So it's not just about you or your behavior. It's about building that foundation. So when someone who is problematic comes along, and I see this with workplaces too, and organizations, Mm -hmm. when we're thinking about building policies or thinking about building practices, um, for, you know, prevention, it's not about our good staff. It's not about the staff who would never hurt a child. It's about what happens when someone who would sneaks into our organization or gets hired in our school or ends up in our workplaces. We want them to not have an opportunity because we're so careful. So it's not about the people who would, who wouldn't do something. It's about what happens if there's someone who would, would they ever have an opportunity? If not, we've designed our policies well. That Perfect. even if a predator got into our organization or our school, they wouldn't be able to abuse a child or to abuse another person because we are so thoughtful about this. Yeah, I love that. And one of the things I focus on too, especially with like middle school students and high school and adults, is that y'all, you gotta get comfortable with rejection. Yes. Rejection is such a huge thing. And even myself, you know, I think of when we were talking about before we started recording about compliments and self-esteem and things like that, but you have to get comfortable with rejection. And so many people aren't in our society, especially with young boys and men, teaches that don't take that rejection at times. Right. I think people with power in our society, and often that is men or male presenting people, they, they've been taught they've just never been taught that people can say no. And then for, you know, women or femme presenting people, we've often been handed this message that like, that you shouldn't say no, or that saying no is mean, or that you're not allowed, like you're, you're bitchy if you stand up for yourself, or even that, I mean, I know growing up in a small town in a, you know, a, a more religious community, there was just this expectation of like, you meet someone, you fall in love, you get married and you stay together forever. There was never this expectation that breaking up is normal or healthy yeah. or ending relationships that re- that relationships can be for a time and that's good. And they don't have to last forever. They don't have to yep. be that Disney relationship 
exactly. to be perfect. And when we only grow up with that vision, especially for young girls yes. um, and young femme presenting people to grow up with this vision of you meet someone, they're the one, and then you like start happily ever after yeah. to never understand that expectation that like, it's okay to break up if it's just not working for you anymore, that that's yeah. normal too, that it might take some time to find your person, or you may not have a, your person, you may have a series of relationships or none over your life. And that can be just as valid. Yes. We have this cultural idea of happily ever after that I think really makes people afraid of relationships ending. And when that's coupled with this inability to accept rejection. We get a lot of people who stay in bad relationships and a lot of people who get very upset when someone tries to leave or yeah. when someone rejects them. And I, it's just a toxic combination. And we so much, we value ourselves or we wrap up our worth in another person or in a relationship. And currently going through a divorce of where the past eight years, it was the two of us known almost as one person in that sense of, and with dating violence there, I mean, you and I could sit here and we could talk about this stuff for hours. Right. We're going to have to come back on and we're going to, who yeah. wants to listen to an eight hour podcast? Yeah. Welcome everyone. Because there are so many issues. There's so right. many things that are wrapped up in prevention. And I think that's why I love say passage. And there are organizations out there like for when I, for example, when I worked at the Y, WCA, we were just the Rape Crisis Center. Mm -hmm. And then we worked closely with the domestic violence shelter and center. And so I would go into a school and do a little bit on sexual violence. And then their prevention educator would come in and do dating violence because they go hand in hand. Right. With each other, right. And, and then right. same with, you know, domestic violence um, as where dating violence is kind of like that umbrella term underneath it. But when we're talking about prevention and why it's so important, because when people say to me, oh, what's your demographic or prevention, talking about these issues of we are getting kids, the earlier we get these kids and the more often, right, best prevention practices, education practices say, you can't just go into a kindergarten room, talk for a little bit, leave, see them again in fourth grade. Right. Also about continuing this conversation. So what advice do you have for any teachers listening out there, any caregivers, any parents, grandparents, friends, or people who just know children? What are some of the, the things that you'd like to kind of share, share with them? Don't have, quote unquote, the talk. Yes. Don't make this a one-time big deal, embarrassing thing that we're going to bring up and talk um, about body safety or about sex or about the birds and the bees. Yes. This should be a normal part of everyday conversation. We shouldn't be waiting till, you know, our kids are going through puberty to start talking about bodies. Yep. We shouldn't be waiting until we think our kids might be, you know, thinking about having sex yeah. to start talking about, you know, safety and smart choices. Um, we shouldn't be, you know, talking just once a year in our classrooms about Aaron's law. Um, we, we want to make that a normalized conversation. So I love when I come into a classroom and I sit down to, you know, read my story, sing my song, talk with the kiddos. And the teacher says, remember, we talked, we've, we've talked about this in class. Remember, we've talked about how we ask before we hug our friends. Or remember, we have our little, our little chart by the door that you get to point to and select how you want to be greeted this morning. Yes. Uh, when that becomes a, a, just a regular part of the daily conversation, um, that helps reinforce those more formal lessons that might come in once or twice a year. Yeah. Um, so we can, when that can be an, an everyday conversation that's coming up. And if you have kiddos at home or you know kids or you're close with kids, um, 
It's important to be doing in the home or in the community as well, not just in schools. Make that very normal that we talk about consent in our home or yep. we're sitting down over dinner and we're talking about these things. If you watch a Disney movie as a family, you know, talk at the end about, oh, you know, or pause the movie and say, you know, did you see in that moment where Kristoff um, asked Anna if he could yes. kiss her? Isn't that yes. great? That's remember how we've talked about that consent and then keep playing yeah. or, you know, pause and say, you know what, you know, maybe um, it wasn't okay for Prince, Prince Charming to um, kiss Snow White there. What do we think about that? You know, just build it into that daily conversation. Talk about bodies, um, get comfortable, just bring that up every day. So you don't wait and have this anxiety building up about having this big talk where we're going to have to name all our body parts and we're yes. going to have to like, yep. you know, talk about the birds and the bees and oh my gosh, how do we do it? Don't, don't wait. Don't stress yourself out. Just yeah. make it very normal. So yep. normalize talking with your kids about consent, normalize talking with your kids in an age appropriate way about what's going on in the, in the news or in yep. movies or in TV shows you watch. Don't let those things slip by where your kid might be internalizing a, a, a negative message without addressing that. Just make it so normal to talk about that. In our family, yes. we, you know, in our family, we say the anatomical body parts and we talk about them and yep. we talk about, you know, bodies and farts at the table. And we yeah. talk, you know, just make that very normal to very openly talk because not only will that reinforce those formal lessons that people like me are providing for our kids, it's also going to make your child feel much more comfortable to tell you if they have a question or if they have an issue, exactly. they're going to feel safer because they know that it's not going to be so anxiety laden for them to come exactly. and tell you, Hey, something happened and I felt uncomfortable or, Hey, I have a question about this. I'm going to ask you instead of Googling it. Yep. So, you know, we really want to make that comfortable. Um, and that's going to, you know, it takes work, but that's really going to make everything so much easier for you and your children. And you're not going to have to have that. Oh my God, my kid is 12. When do I start talking about the birds and the bees? Oh. Right. Yep. Oh yeah. Like we penis, penis and vagina. Yes. Yes. And, I, and another thing, like another tip for parents too, is I don't say boys have penises, girls have vagina. I say some people have penises and some people have vaginas. Like right. about trans and gender. Right. And but a big thing too, which I always I thank my mom for who I am, just you know, because she's my mom and she's great, but she was a nurse and she was always very open about sex and about these things. And so I never had that sit down talk. She just constantly talked about these things. Like one time I was at a store and I saw a condom, which I didn't know it was a condom at the time, and I was touching it. I was like this little kid, and I'm like, ooh, this is it was like on a stick at this like college store because there were beanie babies there. Like it was supposed to be like a funny college themed, you know, kind of like a Spencer's or something. And my sure. mom let us pick out a beanie baby. And then we're checking out and there's this little condom on a stick that looks like a lollipop. And I was like, mom, can I have this? She's like, don't touch that. And then I kept touching it. Cause that was a little, you know, a little shit yeah. and I'm touching it. And she's like, don't touch that. And then the lady behind the counter goes, honey, don't touch that. And I was like terrified. Like another adult told me, but then the car ride home, she told me what it was. That goes on the penis and this, blah, 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 blah. So I thank her and I thank other parents and people who are 
continuing these conversations. And right. Because if we make it not a big deal and we don't act like we're embarrassed or we're freaked out by it, yes. then our kids won't feel that same way. So if you know, if 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 a kid finds a condom and they're like, oh, what's this? And we freak out and we're like, oh, don't worry about that. That's that's an adult thing. Yep. We don't we don't talk about that. We don't like yep. your kid one is gonna be freaked out. Yes. And two, your kid is gonna want to know what that is. And yeah. they're gonna like and they're gonna kids have up. phones, they're gonna look it up and they're gonna end up on all sorts of like yeah. all sorts of or they're going to ask other kids or they're going to ask other kids and get just the worst information yep. i remember like when asking like when you first like discovered what sex was and and i remember a girl at school saying like a boy pees in you and just being like oh like you know all those silly things that right. so so again going back to the more we talk about it the more we become comfortable with it so that when something bad does happen the more comfortable your child or this person in your life feels coming towards you or coming right. to you. And even if nothing bad happens, right. I mean, I will say I grew up, you know, I, I didn't have any major childhood traumas or any major um, issues, but mm-hmm. I also didn't know anything. Like I grew up in the stereotypical small Midwest town yep. that didn't have sex ed that barely talked about our changing bodies. Like you know, you had the video in fifth grade where the boys and girls got split up and like, yes. you know, the guidance counselor talked to you about your period, but like we got pads and yeah, right. but like that was it. And so, yeah. yeah, I didn't grow up. I didn't need to talk to anybody about harm that I experienced as a child, but I also like, didn't know anything, yeah. you know? So like, I, yeah, I just, that could have been much worse for me, you know? Um, yes. Yes. It, it was that mean girls kind of example of sex ed is the gym teacher telling you if you have sex, you will get chlamydia and die. That was my experience. So, um, (laughs) you know, so like we, we want to normalize this so our kids can have good information that they're not getting from pornography and they're not getting from each other. If your child sees a condom and you, you know, your three-year-old is trying to pick it up and you say, Oh honey, that's a, that's a condom. We don't touch those right now. That's for, that's something that grownups use. Yep. Okay. Now it's Done. not mysterious. Now yep. it's not scary. Now your kid doesn't have any more questions. Like I, I love, especially when I'm out and about and you hear parents who are just very open with their kids Yeah. and you know, you're, you're walking in the store and you hear a parent say, Oh honey, like we don't touch our penis in public. Yep. You need to scratch. You need to go to the bathroom or, yep. you know, just that, that, that openness that tells a kid there's nothing wrong or shameful or secret about their bodies. Yes. That helps so much with kids feeling empowered to get the information they need to be safe and coming forward if they have something they need to disclose. If we act like we're scared to talk about it, kids will feel like there's something wrong with them telling us if they have a question or they have a problem. Yeah, that's great. And if they don't, they're getting the wrong information elsewhere. So Right. Absolutely. And that's, I think, the beauty of prevention is that it doesn't have to be scary, terrible, awful, you know. No, it's fun. And I love this example because when I worked at the Y, we used this. Remember, stop, drop, and roll. Yes. Yes, I do. How fun was that? We got to roll around on the floor yell, pretend we're on fire. But think about this for a second. Think about the thought of your child on fire. It's terrifying, right? That's a bad thing. But it was a thing that they turned into like the the smokehouse too. If you ever. Right. Yeah. We have that teeny little cute house that you got to crawl through. Crawl through and you got to go down the window. 
course. That was so much fun. But the thought of your house burning down is terrifying. So it's the same with sexual violence and then dating violence too for older kids that we can have fun. We can joke around about it. We can make it approachable for kids of all ages and adults that it doesn't have to be this taboo, terrible topic. So I want to thank you and everything that Safe Passage is doing to get out into our schools and our community, not only supporting survivors, but you really are putting the work in to end this before it happens. So thank you. It's our passion. And, and we believe, you know, we believe so strongly in that mission that that is the kind of world our kids deserve. That's the kind of world our community deserves. And, you know, we, we want to be working towards that every day. So I feel lucky that that actually gets to be my full-time job. Um, you know, so I, I, we're so grateful that, that this is something we've been entrusted with in our community. Yeah. And you all, you're so good at it. Especially you, Linnea. You're so great. Stop, stop, don't stop. Back to the compliments. You're wonderful, (sighs) wonderful. Okay, so the last big question is, what are you asking for? So what are you asking our viewers to take away, to think, to feel, to take action on? Or what is your ask for the world when it comes to prevention? There's so many things. I've been thinking about this and trying to think, like, what's one thing? Because there's so many different things I could say. Uh, But one of the things that just keeps sticking with me is be the person that you needed when you were a kid. Um, I think that's the easiest thing because there's so many different ways that we can go about prevention. There's so many different aspects of prevention. It's not just being the person who comes into school and talks about private parts. It's also dealing with food insecurity. It's dealing with affordable housing. It's dealing with um, childcare and um, gender inequality and racial inequality and white supremacy. You know, there's so many different angles that intersect with sexual violence uh, that there's so many different ways we can be uh, a force for prevention. So think through what did I need when I was a kid? What do I wish someone would have said or taught me or done and be that person? Yes. If you needed somebody who talked openly about that stuff, be that person who talks openly. If you needed education, be that person who advocates for good science-based education. If you needed um, someone to say, it's okay to break up. It's okay to end a relationship. It's okay to be on your own. Yes. Be that person for other people. Um, Be what you needed and be visible that way. Be visible as your whole self thriving in the way that feels best to you and send that message to other people that they deserve that as well. I love that. That was beautiful. That needs to be on a poster or something. (laughs) Wonderful. Great ask. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So where can our listeners find Safe Passage? Everywhere. Everywhere. Um, Yes. You can find us on our website, safepassagedv.org. Um, You can find us on all the major social media platforms. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on YouTube. We are on TikTok. We are on. Yes. um, Check out the TikTok. I mean, we're everywhere. Search for Safe Passage or Safe Passage to Calb and you'll find us. Follow us on there. You get information on prevention, uh, information about uh, events that we're doing in the community, information about our services. So follow us online, follow us on social media. Um, this is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So if you're interested, you know, come out. Um, we've got events all month long. Um, you can find information about that on our website or social media. So um, look us up, follow us, and, and send us a message about um, what you're looking for, um, what you needed. We're always looking to hear um, what people wish they would have had in prevention when they were a kid. Love it. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Linnea. You are the best. 
Thank you so much, Carly. It is an honor to be on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And again, give everyone at Safe Passage COVID conscious hugs from me. (laughs) Elbow bumps is what I'm seeing from a lot of schools. Lots of elbow bumps. Love it. All right. Well, again, thank you. And we will talk again soon. Great. If you like what you hear and want more, please leave a review and subscribe or follow on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit askforapodcast.com to join our mailing list and VIP Facebook group. Consider donating or supporting on Patreon. And be sure to follow on Instagram and Facebook at Ms. Carly Johnson. That's M-S-K-A-R-L-I Johnson. Hey there, this is Kelsey from Denver, Colorado. Ask For It is hosted by Carly Johnson. Created and produced by Carly Johnson. Help from Joe Lifshitz and Georgia Smith-Marr from Sassy Snowflake Says Hi. Artwork helped by Jen Marquez-Ginn and Amy Ginn. Episode mixing by Andy Hoffer. Intro edited by Anita Garnachov at Audio Music. Visit carlyjohnson.com. That's K-A-R-L-I johnson.com for more info on how to bring Carly to your school, business, or event. Nailed it.